Hi, this is Joel Knox from the Vineyard Church in Brenham, Texas. I'm so glad that you're interested in our podcasts. Our media is available to you free of charge, and it always will be. But if you'd like to help us out, you can go to our website, vineyardbrenham.org, and make a donation there. We'd appreciate it very much. Anyway, thanks again for stopping by, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Well, are you feeling all right this morning? It is another year. It's a new year. We've been talking about it. And, uh, but, you know, it's another year. It's a, like the, uh, the fitness centers like to say, a new year, a new you. How many of you have made some kind of a New Year's resolution that has to do with diet or exercise? Okay, well, that, that's, that's good. I, I mean, you know, the fitness centers, they, I, I think they make most of their money right around the first of the year. And we, we used to have a membership in, uh, when we were in Conroe, they, they had a, a, a little community center, and so it was like one of these, these things that was cheaper than going to like uh, um, Bali or wherever. And uh, so, you know, we, it was just a fraction of what it would cost the other places, and you got to swim, and you got to lift weights and all that kind of stuff. And it was amazing, whenever I was going, just how many people would show up the first week. And it was, it was really amazing to watch, because some of them really hit it hard. You know, and they're pumping, and, and they're running, and everything. Two weeks later, they're gone. And, you know, so, it, and of course, then I wasn't there much longer after that either, so. Uh, but... <laughs> You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I have the, the, the figure of someone who doesn't work out. So, um, but the truth is, fitness is a lifestyle change. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, there's more of a commitment than just getting a membership to a, a fitness center. You actually have to, first of all, use the facilities, but you also have to make some changes to your schedule so that you can go. One of the reasons I didn't really do so well this past year was because I had to get up so early in the morning before I went to work. And I can tell you, I, I was good for about a week, and it's like, man, I, I've got to do something else. And, you know, it, it, the, the other part of it, the eating and, you know, being healthy, that's also a commitment because, I, I, you know, somebody offers me pizza, I'll eat as much as they'll let me eat. Isn't that right, Same. guys? Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it, but it's, it's something that you have to commit yourself to. It, it's, it's a change of lifestyle, really, to, to get in shape and, and, to, and to do the things that, that are gonna, gonna, it's going to take to be healthy. Well, a lot of people approach church and spirituality a lot like the fitness center, you know? They make resolutions to get closer to God. They start reading the Bible or attend the church in the new year. And, you know, these are good things. I, I would love for everybody to, to, to come to church, stay in church, you know, stay committed, get involved, and, you know, and grow and, and all that. But like anything new, we realize that these things don't come easy. Change doesn't come easy for us. 
Jesus had an interesting perspective on change. In the book of Mark, Mark records Jesus saying, No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. Now, I, I, I used to get patches on my clothes whenever I was a little kid. You know, everybody had like the tough skin jeans. I think, was it tough skins? They, they actually had the, the, the extra padding on the knees because, you know, kids are always tearing up their knees, you know, in their, their jeans. Well, it, it was funny how, you know, we'd get these iron-on type patches whenever I'd tear up the, the knees of my jeans, and they just never stayed. And, yeah, you know, mom can testify. But... But this is an example of, of what happens, you know, in, in terms of change. We, we like to, it, rather than, than like changing the whole thing, it's like, well, maybe if we could just use a little patch. Maybe if we could just use something and, and not, you know, because who wants to go out and buy a new pair of jeans every three weeks? You know, it, it's, it, it's not the expedient thing to do. Well, whenever you do the little patchwork type things, it really doesn't last. And we know that. I mean, look, just look around like, you know, the work that's done on, in, in streets. You know, you've got a pothole and they, they, they put the stuff in the pothole and it starts raining. Next thing you know, you got that same pothole still there. You know, and there's, there's stuff that can be done to actually take care of that, but it costs a lot more money. I think, John, you might know a little bit about that. Well, when my, my dad, when I was growing up, my dad liked to fix stuff. He liked to fix it. But the problem with the way that Dad fixed stuff was that it really wasn't fixed. Mom can testify that too. I remember one time that he did some work on the car and it involved using some wire. And this was an old car and he did something with the carburetor. And he's like, just don't shower down on the, on the, on the accelerator because you're, you're going to mess the whole thing up. And so, you know, a mom was really not sure how to drive it. And there were a few times that we got stuck out in the middle of nowhere because that, that car wasn't working right. And, you know, this idea that well, it's as good as new, no, that's not as good as new. It, it's, it's still broke. It's not working. And, you know, in, in technology, we, we, we do these, these shortcuts. You know, it's like... It, in, Anytime you do a shortcut, somebody has to come along behind you and figure out what you did in order to make sure that they can actually fix what, what happened to the computer because, you know, those, those shortcuts don't really fix anything. Well, what Jesus was saying in this, in this little parable that he used was that he didn't come to patch up our old life and, and call it as good as new. He didn't come in just to do some kind of shortcut that someone's going to have to come back behind him and, and try to fix whatever didn't get fixed. The new life Jesus gives us won't fit with our old ways of thinking, our old ways of living, 
And we have a decision to make because something is going to give. Jesus talked about it. You know, you can't love two masters. You're going to hate one and love the other or, or you're going to serve one and you're going to despise the other. Now, you might be wondering what I'm getting at here. Jesus promised us a new life, and that life involves transformation. But new life and transformation involves change. And when we hear that word, some of us are just kind of cringe. But it's the truth. And change, to be honest, is hard. For those of us who have been around the church, we've heard this before. Transformation into the image of Christ should be the goal of everything that we do. And that change is hard. The Apostle James, in his letter to the early church, wrote this. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or daily food. If once one of you says to them, go in peace... Keep warm and be well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, then what good is it? In the same way, faith itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. And in, in verse 18, he says, But some will say, You have faith, and I have deeds. And James says, Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by what I do or through my deeds. Now, what was James saying there? Faith goes to work. Faith gets up in the morning and goes to work. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Now, after a year of transition and change, I'm convinced that God has a purpose for our church. There's work for us to do here in, in, in our church and in our community, and we all can participate in it. It's not rocket science. Find a need and fill it. Pretty simple, isn't it? Just like the Apostle Peter wrote to the early church, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. We already have everything we need to live a life of godliness. Would you agree with me? We just need to do something with what we already know and put those things into practice. So I want to talk to you today about what I think God is calling us to in this new year. And I'm calling this 2018 the year of the visible community. In the Gospel of Matthew, we were going through Matthew last year, Jesus was speaking on the Sermon on the Mount and He said this, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and to be trampled underfoot. If you are the light of the world, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. 
Now, this is probably one of the best-known passages in the New Testament. You know, among others. Those who put their faith in Jesus have been fundamentally changed, and they've been given a purpose. And that purpose is to give testimony to the world about what God has done in our lives. Now, in this passage, Jesus used two pretty well-known metaphors to describe our purpose. The first being salt. Salt is used for seasoning. And in the first century, it was used for preserving and and fertilizing. Jesus, the the people listening to Jesus, they understood salt as being essential to life and human health. I mean, if we get to a place where we're depleted of salt in our body, strange things start happening. You know, we've known a few people that they they start seeing some weird things and, you know, and, and... not sure whether those things are real or not, and uh, you know, it, and start behaving a little bit differently. But the thing about salt, and this is something that we've we've talked about before, salt's purpose is not to be kept in a container. You know, it was it, in in the ancient world they 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 mined for the salt, and it, this was something that they they fought wars for, and they traded for, and everything, and they 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 would keep it in some kind of reserve. But the purpose for salt was to be used, whether in food, whether in 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 diet. The purpose for salt was outside of that container. Salt has a shelf life. It needs to be used. And the metaphor that Jesus is using, if, if salt becomes unuseful, if it somehow loses that saltiness, then it's no good for anything except to be thrown out. And, you know, like whenever it gets cold around here, we throw the salt out and, and uh, make sure that we have some, some footing. That's kind of the idea. Rather than, than fulfilling its purpose... It's just being thrown out so people can walk on it. It's useless. And the other metaphor of light, light is that natural agent that stimulates sight and makes things visible. Light doesn't exist for itself. It exists to make everything else visible. And Jesus' audience, they understood that light was essential. I mean, in those days, they didn't have light bulbs and electricity. And so it was very important to be able to light a candle or to be able to light a fire or to be, a, to be, to be able to light something that would give them warmth because if they weren't able to do so, they might be cold. They might end up in, in the dark. And, you know, and the, the sun itself was, was a great light, but, you know, it, the sun's not up all day long. So... Um, Light needs to be visible to be useful. That was what he was talking about. Who would ever think of covering up a light that was on a stand that was supposed to light the whole house and to cover it up? It's useless. And Jesus says, if we let our light shine, God will be glorified. Now, why am I saying all these things? If believers in Jesus, like us, do not fulfill the purpose of salt and light... No one else in our society or in our community 
are going to do it for us? Do you think that Hollywood is going to be a source of light and salt? No. Do you think our government is going to be a source of light and salt? No. No, they'll probably take all the salt that that they can from us, but that's another thing. So how can we be the salt and light like Jesus wants us to be in here in our community? Now, I I think these are a few things that that I I feel like God wants us to do in 2018. And this is is really really it. it. And the first one really, it begins with prayer. I think we all know how Jesus taught us to pray. The Lord's Prayer, Our Father, who art in heaven, you can say it with me, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now there's two primary components of prayer. There's talking to God. And that's something that that I think we all do at some time or other. And if you don't that much, maybe it, it happens whenever you have to slam on your brakes real quickly. And you got surprised. But the other component of prayer has to do with hearing from God. And most of us talk to God, but few of us take time to allow Him to speak to us. And it's, that involves taking some time because you know, we have to quiet ourselves. Because I don't know about you, but I, if I sit long enough by myself, my mind starts racing about everything that I have going on and if my phone doesn't go off three or four times while I'm, I'm sitting there waiting, then I, I'm already thinking about, well, I need to do this, I need to do that, I need to do that. You know, it, it's, it, that's, that's how we, we operate. And to make the time for God to be able to speak to us, that involves a little bit of work to quiet ourselves and, and to be in a place of, to, to be receptive. The late Jerry Falwell often said, Nothing of eternal significance happens apart from prayer. I have to agree with him. And I feel like if if we're going to accomplish anything in 2018, we need to make prayer a priority. Prayer is integral, or it should be integral to everything that we do. And so here's a few things that I'd like to propose that we do in 2018. First of all, Every community group, every meeting that we have scheduled, whether it's a meeting after church, whether it's, it's just a, a quick meeting at any point in time, any time we gather people together, that we take time for prayer. Just a few minutes. It doesn't have to be a, a complete prayer meeting. But that we, we take time, first of all, to pray for what we're, we're together for, and then to pray for each other, for whatever needs might be present in that, in that meeting. Another thing that I want to talk about is I, I'd like to schedule time for corporate prayer prior to our Sunday morning services. Now, I realize on a Sunday morning that's, that, that's kind of hectic. 
I mean, we get here at nine o'clock, we're wor- working with the band and we've got probably, if we're, if we're through on time, we have 30 minutes before the service starts. And so that there's, there's a lot going on and people have questions and, and all that. So I'm, I'd like to, I'd like to find, for us to, to talk about a time that we could get together. Maybe that might involve coming a little bit earlier to make that time. But I, I'd like to see us make time for prayer that's focused on our service and invite the Holy Spirit to come. And I, I think we'll see some amazing things happen in our services if we do that. I also want to, want to work on scheduling a monthly corporate prayer meeting where we can come together maybe on a Sunday night. If that's not, it doesn't work for, for people's schedules, maybe we could do that during the week. But, but I, I'd like to schedule a corporate prayer meeting where we can come together and we can spend some time in prayer and then pray together on some focused things that have to do with our community. Because I, I feel like that if we start focusing on these things together in prayer, I think we're going to start seeing God break through in some areas in our, in our community as well as in our church and in, in our families as well. So, and um, and the, the last thing is that I want us to learn how to be quick to offer prayer to anyone, anywhere. Now, I, we've, we've had our ministry training classes, and, and, you know, and that's all been about you know, being willing to offer prayer and, and, and pray with someone. But you know, it, it, it's, it's one thing to talk about doing that. It's another thing that whenever you're in line at the grocery store and somebody's talking and you overhear their conversation, and then to have the courage to speak up and say, uh, I just couldn't help but overhear would it be possible for me to pray with you for that? I just feel like the Lord is leading me to do that. I mean, that's going to be how we make a difference in this community. And when we, we start praying, I think God even gives us more opportunities to do it. And when we're looking for those opportunities, He gives us more and He gives us more. And, and, and so we need to prepare ourselves for that. So that's, that's something that I want to be a focus in 2018. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, Luke writes about the the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. I can't think of anything more important for us to do is to focus on prayer as a community. And prayer's not... It, prayer's the, the starting point. It's, it shouldn't be our last resort. A lot of times that's our last resort. Well, you know, we've tried everything else and, you know, oh, God, help me now. Let's make prayer our starting point for 2018 and get ourselves in a place where God can speak to us and we can hear from Him. Now, there's a few more things I want to focus on for 2018. And... The, the next one is, is care for widows, orphans, and the elderly. The Apostle James told the early church, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. In the first century, widows and orphans were at the mercy of society. There was no safety net. There was no Social Security. There was no Medicare, no Medicaid. And the law in the Old Testament made allowances for the widows 
And they, they told their people to make sure that you leave a little extra. Don't take everything out of your field. Leave some for the, for the widows and the orphans so that they'll have something to eat. But even though they made allowances for them in, in terms of, of their food, and maybe even for clothing, there was no spiritual covering for them. There was no one to pray for their needs whenever, whenever they were in distress. Now, in, in the United States, we've, our society has made significant strides toward caring for forgotten and, and uh, the overlooked elements in our society. But there are a lot of people who still do without in silence. In the parable of the sheep and goats, Jesus explained the reason for the righteous and the un- why the unrighteous were separated. If you recall, you know, he's, he's saying, you know, in, at the last judgment, and there's the sheep and the goats, and they were separated, and, and the separation came down to this. What did you do for the widows? What did you do for those who were hungry? What did you do for those who were sick or in prison? What did you do for them? And, and they, well, we, we didn't know, Lord. If you didn't do for them, then you didn't do that for me. And Jesus says to them, for those who, who were actually the sheep, the ones who actually did what he had, he had asked, He told them, I, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these, brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Whenever we take care of those that society overlooks, we're taking care of the heart of Jesus. We're taking care of Jesus, the people that Jesus cares about. And when we talk about the least of these, what are we talking about? These, these are the people that our society overlooks and ignores. And those are the people that we need to be looking out for. So would you like to guess who the least are here among us on any given Sunday morning? I've mentioned one, widows. There's a few here this morning. And I'd also like to point out that there are are single divorced women. And not to belittle widows, but in many ways, they're, they're like widows in that they don't have a spiritual covering. We have single parents or even grandparents that might be raising grandchildren. And if they're not here now, maybe at at some time in the future, I know in the past there have been some. We have families with small children. We have orphans or adopted foster children. And we also have the elderly and the shut-in and the infirm. So how can we make sure that these needs are met because this is what we're talking about. This is our body. We're not talking about outside of our, our four walls. We're talking about our body. How can we care for our body? And here's a few ideas. I start with ask the Lord to show us who the needy are and make a list. We can do that. I'd like to see us set up a, a food and clothing pantry to share with those within our body. I mean, I, I could, if you've got small children, I mean, you, you know what it's like. You've got these kids in, in a set of clothes. Two weeks later, they're, they're too small for them. You know? And we, we, have, we, we have kids that, you know, that are actually grown out of stuff, and you've got stuff, and you really don't need it. 
why just hang on to it? Let's, let's share that stuff together. Let's make an opportunity to share it. And I'd also like to see us start scheduling visitation to ensure individual health and safety and connection. And, and, and I, I don't know if that's happening now. If it, if it is, I'd like to see more people get involved with it. Because, I mean, how many times do we, we just, we, we only see folks on Sunday and we don't know what goes on during the week. And wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if we just somehow just make contact with those who, who are shut in or who can't come every week and, and just to make sure that they're okay. That, that's, that's in my heart and I feel like that's, that's, that's part of God's heart for, for our church community to care for our people. And I'd also like to see us provide services like car care, carpentry, plumbing, and household repairs to, to the people in our church who really don't have the means to pay for it. I'm not a handyman, but I know some of you in here are. And, you know, maybe if somebody's here and they, they have computer problems, I'll do that all day long for free, you know. But, but the thing is, we've, we've, we've got to be looking out for this. We've got to be looking out for the people in, that are needy in our, in our body. Because if we don't do it, we, we can't expect the, our community to do it. We can't expect the government to do it. This, these are our people. And, you know, of course, last not, not least, but whenever you, you see them, ask them if you can pray for them. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't that be awesome? Just, you know, every time we come together that we're, we're just ready to pray for each other? And even those that, that are the ones that, that we might not necessarily look at or look for, but we start looking for them and we start seeing that, hey, they, they actually do need prayer. They, they want somebody to pray for them. I want us to get in the habit of doing that. The book of Acts gives us a clear picture of the church taking care of their own. In, in chapter 4, Luke writes, All the believers were in one heart and one mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. And with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there were no needy persons among them. That's pretty amazing. For, time, for from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money to the sales, and put them at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. I'm not talking about selling stuff, and I'm not talking about, about doing that, but may, admit, at some point, maybe, we, we can have that discussion. But I think we need to get to the place where we're looking out for the needs, the basic needs of the people that are in our congregation. Just feel like that's what God is leading us to do. That's a picture of salt and light at work. And there's one last area that I want to focus on in 2018. And that's on outreach. Touching the least, the lost, and the lonely outside of our church. In the book of Luke, Luke records this little pericope of, of Jesus. Now the tax collectors and sinners were to gathered, all gathered around to hear Jesus, 
But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable, Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And then when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Now, in this passage, Jesus was being criticized because of the people he was hanging around with. These were, you know, the, the not so desirable in, in society. And he's being criticized, and he hears the criticism, and so he goes into this, this parable. And I don't think they actually realized his point. The people that Jesus spent his time with were lost. They were away from God. They had no hope apart from God. And the point of his parable was, what if these people were somebody you cared about? What if that was your son? What if that was your daughter? What if that was your mother or your sister? What if they, they were, those was somebody that you cared about? What would your attitude be then? You see, everyone is someone's child, a son, a daughter, a sister, a brother. What if they were yours? We're all God's children, even the lost ones. Isaiah 53, 6 says, We all like sheep have gone astray, and each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. Last, last year, I think it was a week before Christmas, we went out to the Regency Motel. And there were just a few of us, and we, we had cookies, and thank you for, for making those cookies. Because they went to a good, good cause. I got to have a few of them, but... We got to give away a whole lot too, so, you know, it, it wasn't just for me. But it was, it, it was really kind of cool. I, we went around and we were handing out these cookies. We had presents that we had from the angel tree, and, you know, we're, we're giving these things out. And I noticed that the ladies had, they had gathered around and they were talking to this, this, one, this one young lady, and she had her grandson, I believe, with her, and... Uh, and then they, they were talking to her, and, and she told them that she had uh, just lost her sister just within just a matter of days. She had a twin sister, and she'd committed suicide. And when, when Danelle told me, it was just like, I, I, I wouldn't know what to say. I wouldn't know what to do. And I, and I noticed as they, were, as they were spending time with this lady, they just they, they put their arm around her and, 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 and they just let her talk a lot of times. But, but the thing that was so amazing was this just happened because we showed up. We were there. We took the opportunity to, to do something that we felt like, you know, that God was leading us to do. And this opportunity for ministry came out of that. Now, whether that lady shows up at our church, 
I'll never know. And I, I would hope that she would come, but if she doesn't, we know where we can find her. But the thing is, there's people like that all around us. We have neighbors. We have coworkers. We have people that we deal with regularly. And they may have needs that, that we know nothing about. But we have something to offer them in their time of need. And we just really need to be willing to share it whenever we get the opportunity to share. In 2018, I want us to focus on a, just a few things. One thing is, is going to be expanded outreach to the Regency Motel. We've had cookouts in the past. I'd like to do that again. And we've also had the giveaways with, with Angel Tree. I'd like to do that some more. And the reason I'm focusing on, on Regency is because they've been forgotten. I mean, have you been out there lately? Several of these buildings, that they're, they've, they've, the roof has just actually caved in. And there was one place that the door had been busted in, and they were, you know, and somebody was actually living there. And the conditions in this, this motel are just, they're horrendous. If we can do anything as a church, we can love on people in a situation like that. And it doesn't take a lot. I think, well, how long did it take, Lee? Maybe an hour? We handed out the cookies and, and you know, it, it, it was just, it, it's just right down the street from us, literally. But that's something that we can do. Another thing I'd like to see us do is to partner with groups like Faith Mission or the Salvation Army or other local ministries to expand our outreach far beyond what we can do as a local church. Because, I mean, we can go help out. Um, Lee and Deborah, you guys got to serve meals, um, I think, Christmas and Thanksgiving. We can participate in this kind of stuff. And I want to make sure that these things are in front of us so that we know that these are outreach opportunities. And you don't have to head them up. You don't have to be responsible. Just show up and help somebody out. Isn't that cool? I mean, we don't, we don't like to, to, to have to organize it. It's already been organized. We can just, just show up and they can use us. I think that's cool. And something else I'd like to see is a connection with Blinn College in, in Brenham Public Schools. And to somehow find a way, and, and I, I think we can find a way, to have a presence on the campus. Now, you may think I'm crazy. You may think that, I, that I, I'm, I'm off my duff and I'm trying to get everybody to quit your jobs and, 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 and that's not the case because we need you to support our church. But, but, I, but I, I think there's a way for us to be involved in this community where people look and they say, you know, I don't know anything about the vineyard except the fact that those people are everywhere and they're involved in everything. And they, they care about this community. Wouldn't that be a great reputation to have? Is that, man, I don't know, that, that, that church, they, they, I don't know what they believe, but man, they sure seem to love people. They sure seem to love this community. That's what I want our reputation to be. I want us to be a visible community in, the, in, our, in our city. These connections involve building relationships. And trust. And relationships take time. 
And I want us to commit to the long haul of building kingdom relationships in our community. Just as Jesus said, Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be a servant. And whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. I believe that 2018 is the year for us as believers and for the Vineyard Church of Brenham to make a visible visible impact on the community around us and to fulfill our purpose as the Church of Jesus Christ. So can we stand? I'm going to do ministry time a little bit different this morning. I know I've been rattling off and I went a little bit longer than I wanted to, but I, I had a lot more to say than I probably normally have. So, uh, but I, I appreciate you sticking with me. But here, here's what I want to do this morning. If any part of what I've talked about resonated, and it doesn't really matter what part that was, but if any part of what I'd, I had said this morning resonated, I'd like for you to come to the front. Because I want to pray over you. I want to, I want to just, just invite the Holy Spirit to come and do what He does. And if, you know, whatever it is, it, it, nothing is insignificant when we're talking about the kingdom and what God wants to do in His people.